don't be afraid of a diagnosis, be empowered by it because now you know what you have so we can tackle it. You know, I can't remember the last time I gave a singer a diagnosis that made them never be able to sing again. If you're a professional singer, want to know how to turn singing into a career, or simply love to hear stories from singers on the road, then The Working Singer is the podcast for you. I chat with pro singers about how they make a creative living in the music business, lending their talent to stars like Enrique Iglesias, The Killers, Elvis Costello, and more. They share life lessons, business advice, and how they make a living when they're off the road. We'll also discuss vocal health, technique, performance, coaching, and pretty much all things vocal. Elevate your approach to your singing career, get enlightened about what the pros do, and be inspired with new ideas that you can make your own. My name is Jamila Ford, and this is the Working Singer Podcast. Welcome, everyone. I am so excited you're here. Such a fantastic episode. And you know, I usually start, I've been starting off saying what I did over the weekend. I did have a couple of gigs. They went well. I did a house concert in Corona, California. It was hot as you can't even imagine. I grew up out in that area. It's landlocked. And when it gets hot, there's no mercy. Um, and that was wonderful. I did a house concert, wonderful hosts, wonderful guests. Um, I had an accompanist, uh, Peter Curtis, wonderful guy, guitarist. Um, we did some live jazz for everybody and it was a beautiful thing. Um, and then today, uh, also did a, um, did a gig with Pretzel Logic out at the uh, Palos Verdes Festival. And, you know, I actually thought it would be cooler because it's closer to the ocean, but that did not happen. And it was very hot while we were singing like 80 songs. So <laughs> it was, you know, it was fun. Actually, it was like one of our um, one of our stronger gigs. The gigs are always strong. Those guys have been playing together. Can you believe that band has been playing together almost 20 years, if not 20 years already? Amazing. So it's a well-oiled machine. If you ever come to see that group, um, they're fantastic. It was a, a weekend of really fun gigs, um, though it was hot here in LA and it's hot now as I speak to you. It's warm and um, I, I've turned off the air so we don't have a lot of noise here. So I got to get through this quickly so that I can turn my air back on because <laughs> I'm dying. Um, so, you know, I hope you guys had a wonderful weekend. I so appreciate you listening today. I, I know that there are a million other things you could be doing. You're doing this. We're doing this together. And I am excited because today we have Dr. Rena Gupta. Dr. Gupta is the director of the Voice and Swallowing Center at the Osborne Head and Neck Institute in Los Angeles, California. Um, as a board certified otolaryngologist and fellowship trained laryngologist. She is an expert in the care of disorders of the larynx, including voice, swallowing, and airway problems. So she's a very uh, popular doctor here for singers. And if ever uh, someone asks for a reference, uh, Dr. Gupta's name always comes up. And today we also have Mindy Pack. Mindy is part of an incredible voice team in Salt Lake City with top ENT David Palmer, SLP and vocologist uh, Karen Titse cox and voice scientist and vocologist Dr. Ingo Titse. Um, Mindy holds a certificate in clinical vocology from the National Center for Voice and Speech. 
She holds a certificate in laryngeal manipulation. She is also the creator of the top educational app, Voice Tutor. So check that out. Mindy has a full studio in Salt Lake City, Utah, and students around the world via Skype or FaceTime. Clients are in all genres and styles of music. Her clients have been seen on world tours, national Broadway tours, uh, the American Music Awards, the Grammys, Saturday Night Live, international award shows, college scholarship winners, um, reality TV shows, cruise lines, and local and national performances, to name just a few. And she also just opened a studio here in L.A. So Dr. Gupta and Mindy Pack um, are holding a vocal masterclass here in L.A. at the end of this month. Um and um, we'll have the information in the show notes for that. There's an Eventbrite link. Um, it'll be in the show notes. I will post it in the Working Singer Facebook group. Um, but I was really excited. I saw the flyer for the event. And um, I had already known about Dr. Gupta. Um, you know, I've heard about her over the years. And uh, I saw that she was hosting this, um, this event with Mindy Pack. And I, I saw the word vocologist and I thought, what is that? I thought maybe there are other people who have no clue what a vocologist does um, or that that even existed. So um, I reached out to Mindy. You know, I'd been wanting to also, um, you know, I, I wanted to get information about what, what she did. I thought it sounded fascinating. I'd looked at her website. So I emailed her um, and then and then she said, hey, let's have Dr. Gupta on as well. You know, we're doing this master class together, which was awesome because I'd, you know, I'd also been wanting to talk to Dr. Gupta. It was just so magical the way that that all panned out. So I'm really excited. Um, and then just a little disclaimer, you know, we do talk about vocal health and, you know, things that you can be feeling in your throat and what those things could possibly be. But this uh, episode is not meant to replace a proper vocal assessment by a qualified laryngologist. Um, if you're experiencing any vocal issues, please consult your vocal coach and a medical professional um, who specializes in singers. Oh my goodness, you guys, I am so excited. Without further ado, Dr. Rena Gupta and Mindy Pack. Welcome, you guys. Thank you so much for being here, Mindy and Dr. Gupta. I am so excited. Thank you for having us, man. It's going to be fun. Yeah, we're absolutely. super excited. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, um, Mindy, uh, I'll start with you. Tell us a little bit about what you do. Oh, I got a lot of bag of tricks. <laughs> but, um, I am, I'm a voice coach. I'm based out of Salt Lake City, but I travel a lot. I have a studio that I just opened up in L.A., Mm -hmm. um, and I go out on the road a lot with uh, different touring artists, and then I'm also a like a voice rehabilitation specialist I don't know what the right term is for that but I actually I work with a lot of different um doctors throughout the U.S. but Dr. Gupta is by far my favorite that I work with uh, she's in LA I know blush blush but um <laughs> but yeah but we work a lot with like rehabilitating an injured voice um or just making sure there's voice injury prevention um you know just kind of keeping artists on the right track of having a you know vocal health so Mm. A lot, there's a lot of stuff and you know I was a performer myself so I also understand like the stress and demands yeah. of performing and and things like that so it's it it's a, a nice awareness when I work with clients because I totally understand you know the stress and demand you know that can happen when you're recording and performing and touring and all yeah. that cool. I'm gonna jump in yes. because I feel like probably mm -hmm. um 
Mindy should introduce me and I should introduce her because as I'm listening to her, I'm like, oh, humble much? Like you've said nothing about everything you do. That's true. Please do, yes. <laughs> so what I would love to underscore is one of the reasons I've um, referred to Mindy and I use her so much is that I feel that one of her strongest strengths is her ability to focus on rehabilitation of the singing voice specifically. Mm. So there's a lot of people who do rehabilitative work or what they call habilitative work or um you know, pathology or um, treating injury, you know, but what I really think is an asset to what Mindy does is that she is able to rehab and help recover specifically the singing voice. So how do we utilize what we know about speaking voice and about vocal demand and leverage that into a better vocal performance, mm. both from the perspective of injury, but also non-injured singers. So that I think that that's one of the things that I've really found so much success in sending patients to her is that she is really able to take that voice and build it healthfully mm. for maximum demand because she is right that she works with really high performing singers, but also, um, I don't know, I think she said I used to be a singer, which <laughs> I don't think, I don't think you get to say that. Um, okay, I think we were on the phone the other day and she quite literally belted, what was it? An A, something just ridiculous that I was like, oh, that's supposed to be beyond the human voice's ability. Oh, wow. So, um, also like an excellent singer, which just helps her to empathize better with right. her clients. Mm -hmm. And then also understand when things aren't quite working right. It's not just a matter of the sound, it's a matter of the feeling and it's a matter of the sustainability. How are you going to manage okay, this one show on this tour went really well, but you probably got another one tomorrow. So now what do we do? Mm. I did better than yeah, she did, did. right? Well, yeah. I'm like, hey, goodbye, thanks. <laughs> okay, do me, do me. Yeah, yeah. Like, now, Rena. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, no, I can, I, basically my job is a lot less sexy. I am a laryngologist, mm -hmm. which is a subspecialist in the care of the professional voice. So that means as a physician that you do your ENT training, but then you also choose to um, train in just the care of the voice or the larynx. And so that's the difference between a general ENT and a laryngologist. And for me, voice has always been an absolute passion of mine. I went into ENT knowing I wanted to become a laryngologist. Mm. So I have spent the last 10 years just devoting myself to my singers and professional voice users and really trying to one, understand their craft, but number two, come at them from where they're at rather than saying, okay, vocal rest. Oh, you're, you know, you're benched for today. Mm. Understanding that there are real demands and how can we negotiate them safely mm. and manage your medical problems and not be afraid of using your voice. And then most important to me is stopping that stigma about vocal injury, mm. stopping blaming that performer when they have an injury for, oh, you're just a bad technician. Mm. You're just a bad human being, which is what a lot of artists do to themselves when they're hurt. Um, so that's been like a real soapbox issue of mine over the past 10 years. Mm. She's oh also, she's all hanging out in there too. <laughs> she's also super ac accessible and makes it so it's not scary, which is a, a big thing for, you know, a lot of artists coming in that working with different doctors. She mm. also understands singers and that demand where a lot of ENTs have never sung a note in their life mm. or, um, in training and Rena, you could clarify this. Like a lot of people don't ever, a lot of doctors don't even really focus that much on the actual like method of what's happening. So a lot of times people right. give advice on singing and you're like, but you don't understand right. the yeah. mechanics of that. Whereas right. she does sing. So she understands that, but it's also a very safe place. And when you go in there, it's, it's very comfortable. And, um, 
like she's not a quitter. Like a lot of times doctors are very quick of saying this is what it is and she doesn't quit. She's like, no, we're going to figure this out. And so you get a really, really thorough, um, private, which is a big deal. Um, you know, experience that really makes, you know, you feel comfortable, I guess, you know, like, so people aren't so nervous to go in. So it's cool. What do you guys think is, um, I'll go back to something Rhea just said. What do you think is behind like sort of that lack of empathy for a singer who's going through like some kind of vocal distress? They've got to go into vocal rest. They can't perform as much and they get blamed. And it's just like, why, where do you think that comes from, from other people? I mean, I think that that's something that I really, I've actually asked my patients this myself because I do struggle with that because they hesitate to come in. Mm-hmm. They delay coming in. When they come in, they're destroyed when they've been um, found to have an injury. Mm. And I think there's, um, what I've come to think of it as is that if I can explain away your injury, if I'm a singer and I can say, oh, you got injured because you have bad technique, mm. it allows me to feel safe. I'm not going to be injured because I don't have bad technique. Mm. So I think it, became, it was like a little bit of a defense mechanism, but then it just warped over time to becoming very judgmental and negative. Yeah. And I really say, you know, there's no other athletic endeavor where we blame the athlete when they get hurt. Right. And certainly least of all the athletes training to say, oh, you tore your ACL doing a jump shot. You don't know how, you know, you play for the Lakers, but you're just a terrible athlete, right? But then you have Adele being castigated for her technique after, Mm. you know, more Grammys than, you know, most artists combined. So I think that it started out as a little bit of a defense mechanism and then probably a little bit of a marketing scheme too, where I can keep you safe from injury if you train with me. Mm. But the sum of those parts are people are really afraid to um, go in to be seen, to acknowledge when they have injury, and they're afraid to cancel because they feel like that is their one shot mm. and they don't want to risk it. And I think that you know, the, the combination has resulted in a lot of really bad medicine being practiced mm. and a lot of bad vocal care, unfortunately. Oh, wow. Well, and I think that, I mean, I myself as a singer got injured and had to go through, which I think is why I went down this path. You know, when you get injured as a singer, you think your world is completely over and you're, you oh, lose yeah. your sense of identity. Uh, and it is, there's this big sense of shame. Mm-hmm. And I didn't lose my voice because I was singing. You know, I didn't get injured because I was actually singing. I, I lost it after a very traumatic experience and then I couldn't mm-hmm. sleep. And then it just spiraled mm-hmm. into this other thing. And I think that there's, a lot of people out there that a it's the sense of shame that they did something wrong when really you don't know what you did because you can get injured. You know, there's some injuries that can happen if you cough weird, you know, it could just be the luck of the draw. And so I think a lot of people, like Rena said, there's a, a case of blame. And, um, I think that, you know, and there's a sense of responsibility. Like when you're dealing with somebody that's on this huge profile tour or something like that, and they all of a sudden get injured, not only is it their responsibility of their vocal cords, you know, needing to heal, but they're financially responsible. Those two little cords are responsible for the entire team and people's livelihoods. And, and so there's an intense amount of pressure that's on them, you know, and then it just, it's just this never ending cycle. That just happens. You really kind of got to work through that and figure out what ultimately you know, help them. And what's that end goal? Yeah. Yeah. And to underscore your point, I mean, I diagnose injury all the time and I will say, I can't yet think of the the singer or, you know, professional voice user in whom I diagnosed injury from bad technique. 
there's always something else going yeah. on. There's always illness or mm -hmm. some kind of stressor, or like Mindy said, like you're just in a period of physical injury and that caused other complicating issues, yeah. but there's not one person's story who doesn't involve some other complicating uh, factor. I'm so happy you guys are saying this because I had, you know, I recently had an opera singer on who, um, you know, sort of at the height of her career, she was also in, she talked about this on the show, she was also in a very abusive relationship mm -hmm. and ended up losing her voice. I also um, had uh, somebody who I've observed on Facebook who's been, you know, after the sort of Me Too movement, you know, a lot of us were coming out and, and talking about our, our, our experiences in this industry with sexual harassment and different things. And she had experienced um, a really terrible sexual assault like 20 mm -hmm. years ago. And it's still, uh, obviously, you know, how do you feel safe in the world after that? Still... Um, affected her and they never caught who did it. It was a stranger. She was out oh. on the street. And um, I think maybe six months ago or so, she was contacted by the police, you know, saying that they possibly <clears throat> found who did this. Um, oh my gosh. They t did a test with the rape kit and all that kind of thing. And, you know, uh, so it was really affecting her. She's, you know, talking about this on social media and it was just, I can't even imagine. But also, you know, what also started happening was her losing her voice um, right around this time. You know, she, it come, she came to find, it was bringing up all kinds of stuff for her. And she came to find out, the police came to find out that the person who they thought, you know, um, they thought they might have caught the person. She thought she was going to have to go in and possibly identify them. Oh, gosh. And uh, so this was, you know, she's drumming up stuff for her. She starts losing her voice. And I'm thinking... You know, I don't know if she's even making this connection with, you know, um, For sure. you know, all of this, like the physical trauma, the emotional, the, the yeah. mental, mental problem, you know, that it brings up. Um, so like, what do you guys, I don't know, like with your clients or, you know, with yourselves, what has your, been your experience with like kind of rehabbing um, somebody who is going through something like seriously traumatic like that? I mean, what makes me nuts about that is that's a medical diagnosis. We know that that's a connection. Yeah. And she's probably sitting there blaming herself for not having a voice where we know that is an absolute medical diagnosis yeah. that you need rehabilitation for. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm going to punt to Mindy to some degree because if you take that on a far lesser scale in terms of the degree of trauma, but you just talk about it from the perspective of stage fright and how do you manage um, performance anxiety and how does preparation play into it and how do people medicate that as a, you know, that's sort of like the artist's mindset. You know, Mindy, I would love you to talk about how you kind of approach that mind body connection, which is. Mm -hmm you know, it, it's just a scale, you know, performance anxiety is on the same scale of what you just described. It's just that when it gets to that level of what you just described in that story, yeah. that's more intensive. That's definitely requires probably a speech pathologist and, um, a, an actual, you know, psych therapist and so on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll start there, you know, for a second, like I have a team, you know, that I always rally, uh, with where I have vetted people who I trust, who, understand like the different kind of traumas that people can go through. And yeah. so I'll always work simultaneously with somebody that is that same, my same principles, same values where I can trust them going in and feeling safe because something that traumatic, they definitely have to emote it out. A lot of times I find before I send them to a doctor, 
if all of a sudden their voice seizes and tightens up or, or tenses, um, I'll first do something that's like laryngeal manipulation, which both Rena and I, you know, can do. We're, we're certified to actually manually go in and try and get the throat to open up mm. and rebalance mm-hmm. and recalibrate. Because a lot of times women, especially, I mean, everybody holds stress differently. Um, a, a therapist once told me that, you know, a lot of times people who experience trauma or they feel like a loss of power, mm. are ones that don't feel like they have a voice and yeah. so they feel like they can't voice, which then all of a sudden causes them to not be able to physically voice. And so it's a way of returning their own power and realizing that they are safe in there. And once we can kind of work through that, then we can start kind of rehabilitating into like making sure things are going the right way. Cause I've dealt a lot, like in my studio, I've dealt a lot with, you know, sexual violations. I've, I've had uh, people come in that have been referred to me from um, actual therapists who were victims of child trafficking and they're now like out of it and they can now talk. Um, I've had, I mean, literally I've had like the gamut of people where they're just trying to feel the power back of being able, being allowed to even say a certain word. Um, so I think it really depends on the team. Now taking that into like performance anxiety, I'll always first ask them if they ever had a traumatic experience performing. Like when you were in fourth grade, did you get up and sing and somebody made fun of you? Like, did the kids laugh at you and stuff like that? Like I'll really start going back into history to see if they can start thinking of something that maybe would have put an issue of doubt, you know, in their head or or what they can do to, to see if that's it. Um, I'm always about preparation. Like if you are fully prepared and practiced and we're ready to go, then we have to get on stage. And the only way to overcome that fear is to put ourselves in a position where we have to continually grow. Like you cannot let fear overrule you from success. And Mm. so, you know, we'll all like, are we prepared? Can we do this? Um, I have certain meditations that I give out to clients, you know, where, some of them involve like a tapping thing where it's like, okay, focus on your breathing. We, you know, we have like a, a mantra that we kind of repeat in a tapping sequence to really get their adrenaline underway. I'm one mm. of those weird performers where I don't know why. I have no idea why this happens. It's happened to me since I was young. But before I walk out on stage, I completely have to belch all the time. Like I'm walking <laughs> to the stage. And I'm- there's somebody else who gave that story. It's like some like, yeah. Oh my gosh, maybe it was even Adele, but there's somebody who was like, I absolutely have to do that. That's oh, so disgusting. funny. <laughs> like literally, like, I was getting ready to play Ursula in this like huge summer show for Little Mermaid. And I'm standing off the sides of the stage and everybody would make fun of me because I was like, hello. I have this like presence, but like before that, I'm like, oh, you're too. You know, it's kind of finding out what it is, but it's always, I think when people are really prepared and they're in that pocket, it's really important, you know, to have that preparation. I also think it's really important to set up a pre-show routine. Yeah. When people all of a sudden just throw something at you and it throws you Mm. off your game, like you have to have it. So any artist, amateur to professional, I'm like 15 minutes before you go out on stage, nobody's in your dressing room. You're focusing, you're getting down. We're running through your show. We're like really focused in. We Mm. visualize the success. And then we get out of that. And then as a coach, like when I'm dissecting a show afterwards, I always point out the absolute positive. There may be some things that are wrong, but I'm not going, this was wrong, this was wrong, this was wrong, this was wrong. I'm like, this was amazing. This was amazing. You had major success on this. 
we're going to set a target for the next show. We're going to fix this and this is what we're going to work on. But so then they start seeing the positive attributes so that they can continue feeling like I'm moving forward and have the right. success. Oh, I love that. I feel like sometimes too, um, just acknowledging that what they're experiencing is real and very, very common in artists. Like if I, I give this example all the time, I say, you know, if I were to tell you every time I'm stressed, I get this ulcer in my stomach or I get heartburn, there'd be no question, right? People would be like, oh, of course that happens. That's typical. Take some Tums. You're going to be fine. If I tell you though, that for artists, and this is an absolute thing I've observed, that their stress goes to the muscles around their larynx mm. and they tighten up there. Mm. All of a sudden people are like, oh, it's in my head. And I'm like, it's just your body's different manifestation of stress. And artists tighten up in their throats. Know that. Don't try to deny its existence. Tackle it. Let's, let's get up some strategies to handle that. Mm -hmm. And that's where the manipulative work that Mindy and I do also comes from is to say, mm -hmm. you know, we're going to release those muscles that are tightening in you. You're going to feel that freedom and that openness. And then the performance is going to go better. And it's going to become a virtuous cycle instead of this negative cycle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think when you feed that negative is when it just keeps getting out of control, out of control, out of control. Exactly. And something, yeah. I mean, because you're stressed about the performance, then you get tight. Then the performance doesn't go well. So you're stressed about the next That's performance, fine. then you get tight. And the next thing you know, you're in a tailspin. Yeah. But you we open you up, performance goes great. Now you feel good, open up again. And then it becomes where you need the intervention less and less. But now your body is starting to understand mm. where, oh, this is where you want me to let go. Oh, this is how I'm supposed to feel. And it doesn't tighten up there as pathologically. Yeah. Mm. And I, I'm, I'm the type too, like when I go out and coach on day of show, I'm not critiquing anything. I'm not yeah, going into sense. a negative space where I, where they don't feel like they can have a success. Now I might say, here's your challenge today, depending on the client. Some clients will look at me in the face and be like, I'm going to rip your face off because you don't think I can do it. And then I'm like, good, prove me wrong. That's what I want. And those clients, I might give a challenge. Other people, I'm like, it's all about balance. You have this in the, in that room at that moment is a positive experience. Everything is up and up. If for any reason there's somebody that's negative, or I know that there's a, a like a, you know, say for instance, a, there's a family member that's fighting with them. I'll be like, mm -hmm. give me your phone. You cannot have your phone for the next 30 minutes till after the show to deal with it. Mm -hmm. So that they have to get in the headspace of success. And Mindy is mama bear. Like she will do that. And they'll give her her fo their phone. Like they'll, they'll give her their child. If she's <laughs> that's true. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, I've gone in, I've gone in rooms before where um, you know, I've walked in and the singers in there, like they'll literally text me and they're like, can you please come in here and clear out the room? And I'll mm. be like, okay. So I walk in and people are in there smoking and like doing all this stuff. And I'm like, get out, like going in and then like, nope. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm voice coaching on security guard at the same time. Get out. Because <laughs> yeah. the artist wants to be liked, right? So they yeah. want, they don't want to push their people out. Yeah. So you can be the bad guy. I'm, I'm the bad guy all the time. I'm like, I gotta, you know, I gotta put you on vocal. No problem. Say Dr. Gupta did it. It's okay. Mm. Be willing to be the bad guy. Get people who are willing to be your bad guy. That's our tip. Totally. <laughs> yeah. You need yeah. it. Because no. we're the advocate, like we're your advocate yeah. and that's where you have to, you have to find that right team. Like if you don't have some, you know, everybody's always like, well, the late, like, I mean, I can't even tell you how many times I've gone up against the label, against management, against all of that. And even doctors, like, I mean, not me, but everyone else. That one too. Like I've gone toe to toe wow. with doctors many times. And the singer's like, you're going up against the doctor. I'm like, I don't care if he has a DR in front of their name. Like I'm helping you, like I'm your advocate. So we're going to ask these hard questions 
because I don't care about this. I care about you. And that's mm. important. What have you, what would you say is an issue that you've, you've gone toe to toe with a doctor over maybe the most? Is there something that comes up a lot, like one specific thing? Or? Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, misdiagnose on, on certain things. Like, mm -hmm. I think I'm in a weird position than most voice coaches because I've done a, a lot of education and I've done a lot of job shadowing inside clinic. Mm. And so mm. I've seen a lot of injury. I've seen a lot of scopes. And so a lot of times I'll get stuff sent to me and I question the diagnosis. Mm. Um, like there is one, and a lot of, this is like a key element too. And Rena and I could go on a totally different podcast and create like two hours with content. A mm. lot of times doctors will be like, oh, your horse, here's steroids. Mm -hmm. And the steroids fixes the problem for maybe 24 hours, but it doesn't fix what caused the right. issue. And so then singers get used to being on steroids and then you're just creating this whole other process of issues because it's masking what the underlying issue is. And so mm -hmm. like one client that, you know, I was working with, they went, they were on tour. They just saw a random doctor in a state that could had a scope possibility and um, their manager sent, you know, were like, Hey, can you see this thing? They saw, I, they sent me all this stuff and I did not, I had not worked with the client, did not know anything about history, anything. Yeah. But I saw, and I was like, what did the doctor say? And he was like, he just wants to get me on steroids. And I just said, well, you have what I can see right now, two, two different pathologies. You need to go get a second opinion and you need to ask about this, 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 and this, and this. Mm. So they went to a different doctor, um, you know, that, that we sent him to and what I had seen the doctor agreed with and within mm. two days had to have surgery. Oh wow! So the one doctor wanted steroids. The other one, like he really needed a surgery. And so they ended up having surgery and then we rehabbed out and, and started going through it. So a lot of times it's been misdiagnosis, you know, like a misdiagnosis on something. Um, the whole steroid <laughs> thing is a big soapbox for me because mm. I don't believe in them unless they're like absolutely necessary mm. just because of all the side effects. And I don't think anybody should use steroids as a crutch, you know, for a career, which yeah. unfortunately people do. Um, a lot of times there's certain doctors who they don't want to, how'd you say this, right? They wouldn't want to put their name on a specific diagnosis. So they kind of teeter totter. It could be the A or it could be this. It doesn't matter what it is. And then I have to go in and say, but it does matter because treating yeah. me vocalizing and rehabbing somebody with a, you know, with a hemorrhage is very different than somebody who has nodules or somebody who has a, a cyst, you know, like mm. it's different, different things that I have to do. And so sometimes like I have to <clears throat> force somebody to be accountable for a specific diagnosis because I have to know then how to train. So it's just, mm. I, mean, I think, I feel like you're in a really unique position, like you described, because, you know, voice medicine is, has really changed a lot in the past 10 years. You know, it really has, where we have developed a lot of technology for accuracy of diagnosis. We've developed a really much, much greater understanding of surgery and vocal cord anatomy and how they work. I mean, it's become its own field for a reason. Unfortunately, there's a lot of legacy voice doctors, you know, people who didn't do the training, but have, you know, quote, experience. And unfortunately, it's experienced just in the old way of doing things and with the old mindset and with the old technology. Mm. And so right now, we're sort of in that point of transition where a lot of singers don't know to advocate for themselves. I need a laryngologist. I need somebody to put the scope in through my mouth, not through my nose. Mm. I need you know, a, somebody who is fellowship trained in this, in just voice, not an ENT. But 
you know, we get there, there's just a lot of misinformation and sort of confusion about, oh, this is the person who, you know, is known in the industry, or this is the person who is um, the go-to. Mm. And that could have historically been the case. But unless that person is really staying on top of how the field has evolved, right. they're practicing antiquated medicine. And I get second opinions all the time where I'm like, oof, like, we haven't thought that way in a decade, you know, and it's really people who have a very good reputation. And so I think where Mindy is finding herself, especially with these touring singers is you're in all these cities and States where there might not even be a laryngologist, right? Mm -hmm. So she's sort of having to say, okay, I know you went to an ENT and they put a scope in your nose, or maybe they even did put the scope in your mouth, but the eyes of the beholder matter. Mm -hmm. You know, you have the right scope, but a general ENT looking at it, they don't know what they're looking at or they don't Mm -hmm. understand voice enough. Um, to know how to handle this patient, right? So it's really, it's to the point where, um, you know, her and I, I think for sure can both listen to a voice and say, I know what you have. The picture is a nice confirmation. The video is good to confirm it, but I already know what you have. And that's what happens when you specialize in voice. Mm -hmm. You have an ENT. I have ENTs who have missed huge polyps that I'm like, I can hear that a mile away, but it was subtle on the scope to their eye. And so it's missed. Mm. And I'm like, I don't even care if I have a scope or not. I'm telling you right now, this is what's going on. Mm. And so there's such complexity to this field, but I think it's really been mired in a lot of misinformation, Mm. a lot of like, you know, legacy kind of like grandfathered in doctors. And it's just going to take, and that's actually a medical term. We say like grandfathering in is like, you don't need the certification. Like I'll bring you under my wing. Um, so that wasn't meant to be, you know, derogatory, <laughs> but I'm, slapping, I'm like, yeah, so true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the state of affairs. Mm-hmm. And I think in 10 years, we're going to look back and be like, I can't believe these people were still practicing voice wow. medicine. But right now we're just at that crossroads and it's going to take a lot of things like this. That's why we do these podcasts. That's why I wrote my book. That's why we do vocal masterclass because we're like, the more we can teach you what you're supposed to look for, the better advocate you're going to be for yourself. And when some ENT is like, I'm going to put a scope in your nose, you can say, hold up. Like, I know that's not right. Mm. And that like prime example, like this is a prime example, not even a touring artist. This is my own experience before I even started teaching or, I mean, I think I was teaching for maybe two, three years. But I would sing and I'd get this really weird cramp, like right in the roof of my mouth, like kind of right behind my soft palate. Like, and it would only, it would be very sporadic, very weird. Couldn't figure out what was going on. So I had never been into an ENT. So I just kind of researched and everybody's like, you've got to go to this one doctor. He is the best in Utah where I'm from and you got to go see him. I'm like, all right, cool. I can do that. So I made an appointment. It was super hard to get in with him, went in and got in. I was explaining kind of everything, what I was doing. And he goes, he looks in my mouth and everything goes, oh, okay. I know the problem is. I was like, great. He goes, your soft palate's a little big. And I was like, what does that mean? Okay. What, you know, like, what does that even mean? He goes, I think we should book a surgery and we'll shave part of your soft palate Whoa. and like make it back. And I was like, well, I'm a singer. Like, you know that. And he's just like, it won't change your sound. And I'm like, are you kidding me right now? But <laughs> I'm like, wait a second. You want to have surgery. You want to shave off part of my soft palate. Sounds and you're awful. saying I will have no change. Like, no. And peace out. But oh like, my he was the number one ENT in Utah. Wow. You know, so I, you just, I think you just have to think and like really, you know, people need to do their due diligence and you need to get referrals and, you know, there's certain questions that, you know, or certain things that I think they need to ask and, you know, really find, you know, who that person is. Yeah. I guess we can't, we also can't just accept 
you know, what they say just because, like you said, there's a DR in front of their name. Correct. Unless it's Dr. Gupta. Correct. <laughs> well edited. <Yeah. laughs> because they'll tell you something crazy like that. I mean, that's yeah, I mean, and that's like, I mean, and unfortunately, like that's that, like that's not like that extreme on certain things, but I mean, there's yeah. another one. I there's another voice coach that I remember, and I I think I said it to to Rena. Do you remember this? It was a few years ago. It was a client that was in. I think they lived in Hawaii. If I remember right, and she needed her tonsils out, and so she mm. went into the auntie. <laughs> she's like, "I'm a singer." They're like, "Not a problem." They're removing the tonsils, and whatever they use to like laser yeah. cauterize, it actually burnt a physical hole. <gasps> the size of like maybe a dime. A quarter. No, it was bigger. I remember that yeah, person. It was like up in the roof because maybe he got yeah. super, super close. <gasps> it just burnt oh my the God. heck out. And it like totally ruined. Like, and this was a singer who was like, she just got booked on an international tour as a background singer. Was wow. ready to go out. She constantly got strep, so she needed to get her tonsils out, but couldn't afford to come to LA. And so they did a doctor in Hawaii and he like, like she had to cancel the tour. Like she couldn't go. Oh man. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, you know, it's, I, and this is where I have so much sympathy for my singers and my professional yeah. voice users. Cause I'm like, you really are like, people are doing the best they can do. Mm-hmm. You know, they are asking around and they're like, oh, well this doctor treats so-and-so who's a celebrity. So they must be good. Mm-hmm. And they forget to do some of the, um, the real homework of like vetting their doctor, but also you know, doctors get away with it because there is still that like, oh, I'm going to, I don't want to st- I don't want to confront them. I don't want to challenge them. I don't know. You know, like people are a little afraid. So that's where, you know, like, again, I'm going to say the more you educate yourself about voice care, mm. the more those things are going to become obvious to you. Like, I think I have a whole chapter in the book about what to expect when you go to the laryngologist. Mm. And I give you those buzzwords, you know, like laryngologist, rigid strobe, all these things, fellowship training, <laughs> Because then I say, call the office of whatever doctor you've been referred to and read those words to them. And if the staff is like, huh, then you know, you probably haven't found the right person yet. Mm. But unfortunately, right now, the onus really is on the patients because it is absolutely easy to market yourself or claim whatever um, you want to, you know, and technically as an ENT, you can call yourself a voice doctor. You can't call yourself a laryngologist or you shouldn't. It's not technically allowed, but certainly voice doctor is a meaningless term. So look for those real, I'm a fellowship trained laryngologist. I'm going to do a rigid strobe and, and then look for the results of that patient. I don't think anything is better than a personal Mm. reference of, you know, I went to Dr. So-and-so they heard me, they spent time with me. They listened to me sing. They worked with my vocal coach. I called half of my coaches after, you know, the patient has been seen. They showed, gave me a picture. I understand what's going on. And then I instituted treatment and I got better. Right, like that's a testimonial that I would follow. Not, oh, you treat Beyonce. I'm sure Beyonce is a great doctor, but <laughs> you know, more to say, like, don't go by that reference alone. Go by the criteria that really matter because yeah. it's so easy to get fooled by nonsense. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna add a caveat in there too. Like, I, there's not one client that I've sent, in, and Rena can attest to this too, where, um, like, if I send a client to Rena or anything like that. I'm on a FaceTime phone call with them while they are in the office and I'm asking questions on rehabilitation um, and back and forth. And I do that with all the doctors that I work with, like here in Salt Lake, if I send somebody in here, I'm like, these are the questions you're going to ask, even though this is my own personal team that I work with 24 seven, 
I'm like, you're going to ask this, this, and this, and this, because we want to hold them accountable to quality care. And then you make sure a I'm on the HIPAA form so that they can they can converse with me and I can get pictures. But then you're going to FaceTime me while we're in there, and we're going I'm going to have a conversation with that team while they're there, mm. so that everybody's on the same page. Because you know, for my clients specifically, I know certain questions that I need to ask to get thorough answers. But then they feel because they're in such a vulnerable space, they know that mm -hmm. they're not just like so overwhelmed with okay, what's right. happening. You know, so yeah, I think yeah. it's really important for, you know, anybody who is, you know, who's studying with a coach, whether it's a voiceover coach, a, a singing coach or whatever, that they also have a team behind them who they trust mm. and that they have, they have made the efforts mm. of knowing who are the doctors in, you know, in their area that deal with singers and that they can have that relationship with. And sometimes coaches are really afraid to do that because they think that if they send an injured singer in that it's going to reflect on them. And mm, so they like yeah. have that issue and that is not the case. Like, no. you know, it's, it's not the case and we need to get over that stigma because we have to have that working relationship because in reality, an injured singer who's going in with a doctor, they're not going to go see a speech language pathologist. They don't necessarily have a speech issue. Mm. You know? and so it's kind of like, you've got to find that team where you can be cohesive, you know, together and make sure that it's there because when a coach can find that team, the way their ear is going to start to hear a thing and the quality and the training that they're going to give their clients is going to grow. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like it's just, it's going to be, they're going to be, it's a game changer. Yeah. As a singer, what, what kind of work would I do with a speech language pathologist? I think here's the problem, right? There's a lot of crossover, mm -hmm. right? Because you might say like, I teach my patients a lot of speech pathology techniques because I'm like, this is going to be useful to you. Let me teach you some of it, right? Okay. Then a speech path is going to do some of the manipulative work that I do and that Mindy does. And then a speech path is going to do some of the singing stuff that Mindy does, right? So there's a lot of mm -hmm. gray areas. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm going to add so, that because not a lot of speech oh. paths have done training to do manipulation. So you want to... Well, so that's what I was going to say. So it doesn't, it's not so much about the job title to me. You know, I have absolutely, like I send patients to Mindy over SLPs very often because I'm like, she is better at rehabilitation for the singing voice, right? So I don't get so caught up in like, this is your problem. This is the specialist needed to treat that when it comes to rehabilitative work. Mm. Um, I'll use my um, SLP contacts when um, there is specifically like, okay, you have had surgery and you are having some speaking voice issues. You are really pressed in how you approach your speaking voice mm. or even before surgery, speaking voice issues. Um, I like them a lot for rehabilitative stuff. And even sometimes I will have them if you know, because Mindy can't see, unfortunately, everybody. So <laughs> I will have some of my injured singers go to speech path. And some of the frustrations they have, they'll come back to me. They'll say, you know, I went to a bunch of sessions and unfortunately, like I didn't really feel like I made gains where I needed to, which were in my singing voice. Mm. But some of the good ones, you they will absolutely do incredibly well with an injured voice. Mm. So it's really, it's not about the title to me. It's about the person. And I have a few people right. um, in the speech path world in my pocket that I absolutely trust with my patients. But I will tell you, it is far, far fewer than I would like it to be because most people don't, just like an ENT, most people didn't do training in voice. Well, in the, in speech yeah, pathology, in the, most people didn't do training in voice. Yeah. Well, in the SLP like training out of like the two, whatever it is, two, three years that they have to go in for the training, they have one, some, one quarter that's voice. Yeah. That's it. Wow. 
Just like, just like an ENT. When in five years of ENT, I actually probably did a month of voice. It wasn't until I pursued my fellowship and did a year of training wow. in just voice that I really learned it, right? So this, the degree does not confer the ability. The passion for the problem, right. the dedication to the field, the never resting on the training you did and continuing to say, okay, what am I missing? What's new? I mean, one of the coolest things about Mindy and I are running um, Vocal Masterclass this year. It's in its fifth year. Yeah. It's a multidisciplinary conference where we are bringing in, I'm excited to learn because we're bringing in things in voice that I've never even heard of. Mm. You know, I've never heard of using yoga to optimize your singing voice. Mm. I've never heard a workshop on how to scream effectively and belt you know, safely. Um, you know, so these are things where I'm going to continue to grow in my understanding of voice, which is going to allow me to be better at taking care of voice. Mm -hmm. So, you know, even if, um, you know, in my case, I do happen to be fellowship trained, but even a general ENT could be better at taking care of voice if they dedicated themselves to it and made it their passion project. Mm -hmm. It's just that most people don't, they get their degree and they feel themselves done. And that's where a lot of people get crappy care. Mm. You know, I always joke about reflux because it was like the sexy diagnosis in the nineties. Like we discovered reflux can affect the voice. Yeah. Right. And that was a big discovery in ENT. And so what it resulted in was a decade of people being put on reflux medication because every horse patient and every singer was diagnosed with reflux. Mm -hmm. And then fast forward another 10 years. And then like I was saying, vocal imaging improved, training improved, diagnostics improved. And I was starting to see, actually, this doesn't look like reflux me. Oh, that doesn't either. And I'm taking people off of reflux medication and I'm finding what the real problem was. And I'm, you know, it's horrifying because it still is the same situation where people who were trained 20 years ago or 10 years ago are still yeah. pushing the reflux meds. And I'm like, if all I see is throat, all day long. I see voice all day long. In a month, I might put two or three people on reflux medication. Mm. Wow. You know, so it cannot be as prevalent as was thought in the 90s, but absolutely most singers I know who come to me for a second opinion had been diagnosed with reflux and put on medication. Mm. So you just have to keep advancing your knowledge. You can't, medicine does move forward. Science does move forward. Yeah. And if you don't keep up, you're absolutely practicing bad care. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the reasons, you know, like Mindy and I chuckle because we're like, you know, we are such nerds about this. Like we, we push every course we can attend, every opportunity we can find to learn, we do it. Mm -hmm. But we laugh because we're like, oh, these other people, they might have a degree in something, but they're not doing that. So they're hoping their degree confers credibility when the reality is it's the work. You know, you got to do the work to keep sharp. Or if we can't find the course we've created ourselves. Correct. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. We're, that, that was masterclass. I was like, Mindy, what else do you want to learn? Um, and she's like, Rena, what do you want to learn? I'm like, I could bring in this, bring in that. Like, it, was, it was a very dangerous thing to give us that power because we just brought in people from everywhere. <laughs> yeah. No, that's awesome. Um, so let me see. Speaking of like, you know, nodes and uh, hemorrhages and things like that, how do we prevent stuff like that? I'm, you know, I'm, Mindy, cool if I take this one? Yeah, go for it. Okay. It's a little bit of both of us anyway, but um, I'm big on prevention just from the perspective of get checked when you're feeling good. And we're probably going to identify some medical problems or situations that are going to put you at risk for those kinds of injuries. And 
sort of try to optimize those. So if you get checked when you're feeling okay, we can probably keep you okay. Because in that process, then it's going to be education. Okay, what are the things? How do you know when you're starting to get a little bit injured? How do you prevent it? How do you um, how do you identify that for yourself? And then I typically will have all of my singers. I will ask them who they're working with from a perspective of a coach, because I usually find that my coaches pick up injury well before, you know, the person themselves would have, because they're hearing these little changes. A good coach will hear those little changes and a singer can kind of ignore them, but the coach won't really allow for that. The good ones, you know, so really it, it typically injuries happen with, you know, what I call the perfect storm, which is usually voice use in the context of something else like illness or high stress or a reflux flare or, you know, something along those no lines. Sleep. It's going to be, yeah, no sleep. It's going to be a couple of factors. But what I say is if you've come to me when you're healthy and you sense something's not quite right, you can get in the next day. You have me in your pocket. I'm going to take care of you. Mm. Injury doesn't sneak up on a person. Right. It, it really doesn't. The hemorrhages are how all injuries happen. So you will bruise a little bit on your cord and you'll hear it and feel it. And what I say is you hear something's not quite off, not quite right. Rest your voice for that day. Check in with your voice the next day. Still doesn't feel quite right. Check it out get it checked out. You know, it's not, injury doesn't happen overnight. The bruise might. But you're only going to get hurt if you ignore that symptom and you keep using your voice, mm. you know? So come to me when you're sick, I'm going to need to control that cough because if you bruised on that cough and then you're coughing more and more, you are going to form a polyp. You are going to form nodules, mm. right? But if you come in on day one, I'm, I'm probably going to throw a pharmacy at you, but it's going to be to help us avoid you getting injured. Mm. Yeah. It's preventable, but it's not about technique. That's just my, it's just a pet peeve of mine. Really? Okay. It's about being proactive, not about being the best technician on the planet. It helps to be a good technician to prevent injury, but bad technique does not cause injury. Yeah. I always say it's better to be proactive instead of reactive. Yep. We say that in medicine too. Yeah. So it's like, you know, anybody like we've got a prep leading up to it. So say, I mean, this goes for anything. I mean, it's just like how you're rehearsing for a show, you know, like you audition for a show, you get a show, you have to rehearse to get into there. Same has to be said that you have to keep continually working. Um, everybody always asks like, Hey, why do people need coaches or why is there's that? And I'm just like, you know, LeBron James has a coach. Why mm -hmm. wouldn't these guys have a coach? Like I literally am the listening ears. Like I have to make sure that you stay in that balance so that everything can happen. So I think it's really imperative for anybody who's a professional voice user that they have to go and check in with a coach regularly because they are an unbiased set of, e set of ears who, if they're good, they're going to be able to hear the subtle difference, you know? Mm. And if they're, if they do hear it, they need to be able to, to uh, send it out. But yeah, I think it's all about preventative, like being like prepare it before you have to deal with the reactive outside of that. And what do you hear like as a, is it just a matter, I suppose, obviously, of honing your own ear over the years and all of that, but, you know, you're, if you're walking into a room and you're hearing somebody's voice for the first time and you're like, oh, my God, that person has nodes or that per you know. Um, do you want me to take that or do you want to take that? Go for okay, it. So my, my rule of thumb before I refer out to anybody is I'm listening for a hissiness or a raspiness. 
I use the same words. See, I heart you. <laughs> he didn't need me to say nothing. <laughs> but like, if there's, you know, like right now my voice is kind of clear, you know, not kind of, it's clear like in there, but if all of a sudden I'm like talking right here, all of, you know, and all of a sudden it's right. there and I'm talking down kind of in fry and it's a little hissy, I'll try and get him to speak out of that and see if I can get it clear. So I'll be seeing if there's a hissy or, you know, hissy or raspiness is going on. If I start vocalizing, and a lot of times if there's a loss of octave or a loss of note range, so if I'm vocalizing somebody and they're singing a scale, and it's like a e, and they like jump, a, a that big section, break, yeah, the flip, yeah, um, then that's a that's a factor of like, oh, could there be a pathology on the chords? You know, like because you know as the chords come together, it has to jump over it. Um, to create it. Um, I'll listen for extreme tension, you know, meaning like if somebody is talking like this all of a sudden, or like they're singing, (laughs) (laughs) you know, then we're going to try and manipulate that out a little bit. So I always, you know, like I try and go, I mean, if it's really drastic, then I'll send them in. Like, I won't see you again until you get that scope. If I can have a good success i'll usually be like okay we're going to try two or three sessions to see if i can't get really good closure because maybe it's just really crappy technique maybe it's just allergies maybe it's something like that i'll try two or three sessions just seeing like what their history and stuff is and then if i can't get constant like closure or something where the clarity comes in then i'll always refer it out Mm. I mean, for me, like the things I'm listening, I think Mindy nailed it on the head. I, um, for the hemorrhage, that's where I really want you to find it. I don't want you to find it when it's nodules in yourself, you know? So what I say for my singers, I'm like, okay, you sang that first night, right? Monday and Monday night, you're feeling a little hoarse. You're missing a note or two off the top. You're like, okay, hard gig, bad sound, no problem. I'm going to go silent for the rest of the night. I'm not going to go to the post party and, you know, rage, I'm going to just go to bed. And the next morning you're going to check your range again. And if you're still missing that note or two off the top, you just continue on being silent mm-hmm. and just check in your, with your voice at the end of that same day. So now we're Tuesday night, you're checking. If it was just swelling after a day of vocal rest, you should be basically back, right? Like you should not need a week of vocal rest to recover from one gig. Mm. But if you're still missing a fair amount, then just get checked out on Wednesday because that's more likely to be a bruise or a hemorrhage, right? Mm. So it's really like missing a little bit off the top. And if they're bad, if a hemorrhage is bad, you won't just miss a little bit. You'll miss, you can miss your whole head voice as an example, you know, but Mm. sometimes even those little subtle symptoms, if you can count, if you can catch those micro bleeds, Mm. that's when you're really going to help to prevent yourself from getting injured. Now, when you're in nodules land, you'll hear that the voice has lost a lot of the richness to it, a lot of the resonance. It it gets like very dry sounding, very crispy. Mm. Um, And like Mindy said, very hissy. I like that word too, because you're hearing the air escape because the cords can't close because of the nodules. You know, polyps sound a little bit different. They're a little bit more resonant because it's one side. So you're closing better. They're softer. So you do start to train your ear um, to know what injury sounds like what, but that's not so important for that singer. I don't need you to diagnose you. I'll handle that. I just need you to know when you should be checked out, Mm -hmm. you know? And again, you know, I think a lot of vocal coaches underestimate their own ability to do this. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of singers doubt themselves. Like it's probably fine. It's probably fine. Mm -hmm. Um, I think 
the, the doctors and the SLPs are a little bit more aggressive in that way. Like we hear something and we're like, you know, again, the vocal therapists, the ones who, you know, know voice, they're like, I know something's going on, but I still feel like in the art world, there's a little bit of that. Like, I don't want to prematurely ring an alarm bell. Mm-hmm. I don't want to sound like a worry wart. And I'm like, worry away. Isn't this important to you? Mm-hmm. Like if all, all of a sudden I woke up and my hands were shaking, I wouldn't be like, I don't want to worry anybody. I'm going to say, no, I'm a surgeon. I'm going to go get checked out today because something's not right. Yeah. You know, so I think that those little symptoms that a lot of us tend to ignore, you know, it should go away with rest. Just get checked out if it doesn't. And don't get checked out a month later. Get checked out a day or two later. So I don't know if you can hear this or not. I'm going to try it. But this is actual video of me that Mm -hmm. I sent to Rena after I was coming up tour. And I hadn't slept really for about 18 days. Wow. But you can hear like, so you can hear my clarity right now. This is how I was speaking. And I'm going to, I hope you can hear this. And then I'm going to, I actually sing so you can hear it. And I thought that I could have possibly hemorrhaged. So I was like, do you think I need to go get checked? Cause it's not my norm. <laughs> All right, yo. So I'm just getting off uh, the plane after what, 18 days. I had a voice for like two days and I can't tell if it's so can you hear that rasp like two pitches at the same time i go to sing let me see where it's at and you can hear when i go up into pitch a widened vocal break is so it just became very it became thinner and thinner Wow. <laughs> and I think you were just swollen. Yeah. I just if I remember correctly. Slept. Like I don't. Right. So I just, I hadn't slept, but it just, I, it wouldn't come back with like yeah. my spa therapy and everything else. So I'm like, and I kind of had this weird, like tickle cough thing that was going around. Mm. Like my normal voice is like, I don't, I never have issues. And then all of a sudden I'm like, but it wasn't bouncing. So that's something where it's like my clients send me videos like this, you know, whenever something's wrong or like, you know, if they're on the road, like, what do we do? We're online. So I'll have them send me stuff like that. But like I sent that to Rena, I was like, what do I, you know, like, what do you think? Do I need to go and get scope? I might've texted you back. Shut up. Pretty much. It was like, shut your mouth and go to bed. <laughs> and within 24 hours, like my boy, after I finally slept 10 hours, my voice. Came back. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be that extreme. Like, I think that was really bad for you. But even even if you can access your head voice, but it flips, like it flips when you're going into your head voice and you don't typically have that flip, those are all signs. Mm -hmm. And all I would say is don't ignore them. What's the worst that can happen? You get checked out. I'm like, actually, you're fine. Isn't that a a good thing? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, so better to be rewarded with an accidentally ringing the alarm bell than ignoring a bruise and ending up with an injury. Mm. And over time, what I tell my singers, come in, you'll start to establish those patterns, right? You will feel something. I'll show you what it looks like. And you will start to recognize, okay, that feeling is swelling. That feeling, oh, that was the time I bruised. And it feels like that again. And you'll start to learn your own voice better when you can correlate it against what's actually happening on the inside. Mm. So maybe in the first year of knowing me, you're going to come in four or five times and then probably not again for another year Mm. because you've established over those times what each thing has meant for you. Mm. 
So, you know, I don't, I don't know. I never mind when people come in. I love when I get to tell people that they're fine. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, it's not that often. So people are so apologetic. I'm like, why are you apologizing? I wasted your time. I'm like, not in a million years is this a waste. Of I'm like, this is a highlight of my day. Yeah, I was it's your job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That too. My, but my, I favorite, it. <laughs> my favorite was I was with a client who was, you know, had to take a break because of an injury and we went back out and uh, we were in sound check. We had done warm up. Like, I mean, your voice has to take a minute to warm up. Like we did a pre warm up, but it was like, they had only been up for a few hours, like get your blood moving, all of that. And we were doing sound check and, uh, they say in the mic, they're like, man, it just feels a little thin. And did it. and like, everybody was like, whoosh, like looking at me like, oh my God, are we have another, do we have an injury? Like what's happened? Like everybody went into this tailspin of like, and like mm. blocking me and the clients looking at me and I lit, I sit in the arena and I rip my ears out and I'm like, I'm not worried. And I just start yelling. I'm like, quit being a baby. Move your body. Come on. <laughs> I'm like, get out of your head. You just, Ugh. you know, and everything. They're like, are you serious? I'm like, yes. Like, we're fine. Just keep moving. Like, <laughs> those are the best days. Yeah. Like, no, but we never mind saying you're fine. <laughs> it was just fine. I remember that. I'm not worried. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Let me ask really quickly, like something I, I have suspected, and maybe I'm totally wrong, but I, um, I mean, if you're doing, you know, you guys can come in and, and do massage maybe for performers. I am kind of a big believer in, I, I have no scientific evidence to back this up. I've never looked this up or anything, but I like to keep everything kind of before I'm, especially before I'm about to perform, like kind of warm and juicy are my two like words. You know, I like to keep everything just kind of be hydrated and, and all that. How do, how does a cold beverage affect the singer's voice? Cause I always kind of cringe if I see <laughs> a singer about to sing and they've got like you know, an icy <laughs> drink. I'm like, what are you doing? You're making your job harder. Are they making it harder? Or is that just something in my head? Um, there's no, you're right. There's no science behind it. So you can look it up and you're not going to find anything. Yeah. Um, now the one it's good to be hydrated. Yeah. So I actually don't mind hot or cold hydration is still a good thing. Yeah. Um, when you're, your mouth and throat are pretty good at bringing things to temperature. Mm. Meaning by the time it gets down near your cords, it's, they're pretty close in temperature because your body can't handle hot or cold on the inside past your mouth, basically. Ooh. Right. So we're pretty good at getting things to temperature by the time it gets, you know, a third of the way through your swallow. But what I will say is that most singers find the warm slash hot beverages to give you a little bit of that steam effect, yeah. which is nice, right? And also it's relaxing, you know, but contrarily, the person who's drinking the Diet Coke probably finds that to be the case for them. Mm. So if it's not bothering them, they've probably found what's worked for them and you found what works for you. It's sort of like the wrapping your neck in a scarf thing, right? Yeah. Like if that helps you to relax, some people feel like they're suffocating, you know? So, but the other person's like, no, when I'm warm there, I feel good. So this, whatever science there is has shown that hydration rules all. Mm. And that nothing you eat or drink touches your cords and that whatever feels good for you in that temperature wise or whatever, rock on. Mm. It's the same principle, like where people are like, don't eat dairy, you know, yeah. before you go, like I could eat a block of cheese and ice cream before I walk on stage and just peel the paint off the wall singing because it doesn't affect me, but you freaking give me anything that's a lemon or a tomato and I'm done. 
mm. because it affects the acidity level in me differently. So mm. I think it, it, it totally is about what it is. I will say that the one thing, you know, like hydration is key, but it's not just hydration before you walk out on stage. It's the hydration the day before because of how long your water, water stays in your body. So mm. it's not just about, oh, I have a show in an hour. I got to pound water. You should be pounding the water 24 hours before you go out and sing. Mm. Very true. And, um, you know, the other, the, the steaming is a great thing too, but a lot of people do like the, the humidifiers or the vocal mass. And there's really only one nebulizer that's been proven to get hydration on the actual vocal folds. The misters and the humidifiers really only make the pharynx and the mouth wet. They don't really get into the throat, you know, so you'd want to get a specific nebulizer if you're trying to get actual hydration on the actual vocal folds. Oh, wow. um, but like your example, like I, if you give me, a, I'm the diet, I'm the diet Coke, but really Dr. Pepper drinker, mm. I could drink a 32 ounce and go out and be fine. You know, yeah. more ice, the better. But, you know, give me, you know, I, and I, and I don't like hot tea, like hot tea to me. I'm just like, Bleh. like, it yeah. does not work. <laughs> so I think it just kind of depends on what you, what, you know, every, like she said, the individual user. Mm. I think people really do get fixed, fixated on the singer's mythology of like, right. you know, this is the formula for success. Yeah. And I don't think, again, we wouldn't do that with any other sport, with right. any other endeavor. So don't do it with your, it's still the human body. So you know what serves you and honor that. I mean, it's just like Mariah Carey. Mariah Carey said one of her best warm-up things is eating barbecue potato chips before she goes out. Was that her? I I it was Mariah. Yeah, it was like Mariah. And I'm like, okay, whatever. That sounds very weird. But if that works for you, <laughs> go for it. I'm not, not going to debate you on that, man. Like, look at your That's feet. funny. <laughs> you know, I mean, we could have a different conversation about that. But... <laughs> <laughs> That's you know, all, everybody kind of has a, a weird ritual of, of what it is. And sometimes when they get into that habit too, that's just, you break that habit and then, you know. Well, how does, um, I saw something, Dr. Gupta, on your, I think it was your um, Instagram feed on sort of the effects of marijuana on the, on the vocal <laughs> bowl. I've never been more popular than I was that day. Many of us like to I ruled the world. <laughs> It's never worked out for me, so I, yeah. I hope I take it. I know many who do. Yeah. What are the effects? Well, what right. we were trying to, what I was trying to learn yeah. is exactly the answer to that question because there's really no great science on it at all mm. right now. And so I had this really unique opportunity with a singer who had never, she never smoked and it was Sunday night and she's like, oh, I'm going to try it. And then she panicked because even though she didn't hear anything in her voice or feel anything, she was scared she had done something, you know, and that's like, I think everybody, the first time they do something like that, they, they go into a tailspin. So she comes in the next day, which is Monday and says, I just need you to check me out. You know, I, I, I'm not sure what's going on and everything was fine. You know, everything was fine in terms of like, I'm not benching her. I'm not looking at that and saying I'm worried, but I was really impressed with the amount of inflammation from just one hit off of a joint. And so that did bring up some other questions for me of what about vaping? What about, you know, what about all the other things? Mm. My, my general feeling right now is to say that anything inhaled is going to have an impact on your vocal cords and on your vocal, the degree of vocal inflammation. Right. Nothing edible that I, and I've done the research on this, edibles should not do so. So until we have the other science about the inhale, inhaled methods, I would stick with the edibles, but 
you know, more to probably come. I think it's something that's really important to look into. Mm. Well, anything that's a hot heat that you're inhaling, whether it's the marijuana, whether it's a cigarette, a cigar, whatever, it's going to dry you out regardless because it has to pass mm. through the vocal cords down into your lungs. Yeah. And you're, you know, like you're dealing with that sort of thing too, you know, yeah. we're dealing with, and I'm not a weed user. So people will be like, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. But like when you're <laughs> like from the, even the, from the, like the wet heat too, and you're inhaling that wet all the way down into lungs, like you're looking at other issues, you know, as well as just what the effects are on the, on the vocal cords, because you're inhaling yeah. a substance, you know, mm. whether it's natural or not you're inhaling something down in there and you're inhaling you know oils or whatever it's you know it just it could have this effect that we don't know about it's too new so mm. yeah i mean i see it as, or oil it just don't yeah exactly i see it's as simple as people move from places with less pollution mm. to la and they have an issue and you can see the change in their cords yeah so if pollution can do it why wouldn't the stuff that you're literally directly igniting and inhaling into your throat do it? Mm. Right. So Ooh. that's my soapbox. Ignite. I have, I have many yeah. a soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Ignite and inhale. That sounds scary. When you think of it, right. it's like, whoa. Yeah. Why would, and I'm not so straight. I'm not such a stick in the mud, but yeah. you know, I am a little bit for my patients because I'm yeah. like, you got just a one set of cords, right? So you get to pick what you do with them. And how to take care of them. And, you know, I, I actually even had someone today where she was like, you know, I, it, it's, it's really affecting my singing voice because I'm super social mm -hmm. and I like to talk a lot and I like to go out a lot. And I, and I said, I have no, pro go out, talk, but you do realize you have to pick. You can't, you can't have both. And I said, if, if you're telling me singing matters to you and it is the thing to you, then you, the other thing has to take a hit. It has to, you have to compromise on that. Mm. Go out once a week, speak less. I said, you know, my singers are my best listeners. Like their friends love them because they're great listeners because you're quiet. Just be quiet mm. and listen. Mm. And there's nothing wrong. You can still go out. You can still enjoy people's company, but speak at conversational volume, get close to people, listen what, as much as you can, and you can still have your social life, but you're protecting that one body part that you need to do your job and to mm -hmm. fulfill your passion. Yeah. Well, you got to think too. I mean, this is like, I, I do the same thing too. And it's not until I really talk to people about being vocal athletes. They're like, well, yeah, I, you know, I, I'm a professional singer. And I'm like, no, you like truly don't get it. You know, like when somebody, and I, and I use these numbers a lot because then it puts a lot of things in perspective. When the orchestra band, whatever tunes to a four forty. Okay, so that's the A above middle C on the piano, 440 mm -hmm. hertz. When a singer sings that, the vocal cords are coming together 440 times a second. Mm. Okay, that's 440 collisions in wow. one second. Yes. Now you think of adding an hour and a half show where you're doing all of these like ups and downs and speed and force, you know, like whether you're a growler or that or whatever, you're at intensities, all of that coming together. You're, you're talking millions of collisions just yeah. in an hour, hour and a half set. Mm. So you've got to have time, downtime to rest. That doesn't include vocal warmups. That doesn't include vocal cool downs. That doesn't include talking. That doesn't include run throughs, anything leading up to that. So if you do mm. not take time for that part of your area, you know, your voice to rest, like you're just, you know, you're just going to start creating a cycle of issues. Yeah. You just have to be aware of, of what's happening. Yeah, that's good. So, um, 
let's see. I know you guys are busy people. I won't take up too much more of your time, but I guess my last question would be for you. Like, what do you, uh, what do you wish uh, for every singer to know about their instrument? Or to oh my gosh. And about. <laughs> Long That's pause. a deep um, uh, philosophical. Uh, yeah. Because <laughs> there are, right, there are so many things. Like, I don't, I want to start to destigmatize. I want to continue to destigmatize injury. I want people to understand how it works and how to know when it's not working. I want people to feel empowered to take care of themselves and not feel ashamed when they have an injury. Mm. Um, and then I want them to understand how it works because then they can advocate for themselves. Like, I, those are my, I think probably my biggest things aside from maybe like, don't be afraid of a diagnosis, be empowered by it because now you know what you have so we can tackle it. You know, I can't remember the last time I gave a singer a diagnosis that made them never be able to sing again. Oh, quite the contrary, right? It's a diagnosis that helps you to know this is what you have. So now how do we work with it? Am I giving you that, that title doesn't take away anything from you. It gives you something mm. that you can work with. Well, knowledge is power. Yeah. So the more knowledge you have, the more power you have in your own voice and your own career. And the singer needs to take full responsibility of that. Any voice user, like yeah. get as knowledgeable as you can. Um, I'm going to say, I mean, I, I'll probably, I mean, I'm going to hear here to everything Rena just said on there too, you know, like definitely empower that from a coaching standpoint, I'm going to, I would say that every singer's voice is buildable. Like I think everybody truly can learn how to sing and if you're struggling in certain limits or certain areas that you can't get through or that you have these blocks that maybe your coach hasn't been able to get you through, just like with a doctor, go get a second opinion. Like make sure that you find a coach that understands your goals, your style, your methods, your, um, you know, what you want to have happen and mm -hmm. that they match that, you know, like can your coach sing? Can they demonstrate what they want you to do? Singers are our listeners. We're mimickers. Mm. So if you have a coach that can't demonstrate what you're asking them to do, to me, that's a problem. You know, is your coach connected to the medical world, you know, and, and other areas that you're trying to do? You know, like, I think it's really important to ask those questions, but um, in a nutshell, I just, I think every voice is built, buildable. I think you're continually building. There's things in my voice that I'm still developing. I mm. still have a coach that I see every other week to make sure I stay in balance so that I can be in top game, you know, mm. every single time I open my mm -hmm. mouth to demonstrate. So, um, I, I think the options for a singer are limited, limitless. You know, I think it's very important that singers vocalize <laughs> low to high um, so that we absolutely can range, you know, maintain full range of flexibility. Cause just if you don't, then muscles atrophy and your voice is slowly going to start to have issues. So it's really important to not only just sing your set, but you've got to constantly be practicing your craft. You've got to vocalize, stretch yeah. it, cool down, you know, that sort of thing. So mm. I don't know. I love the voice, man. I think there's so many things that we are still able to, to learn and do and, yeah like i'm i'm really excited to see kind of what happens as far as like even in the music industry like what sort of genres come out and new music that's happening because yeah it's always evolving and uh, you know it's just it's a fun ride to be a part of yes here here awesome well this was really really great this is really enlightening thank you guys hey thank fun. you man. This is fun.
Yeah. Thank you so much. We really appreciate the opportunity. I cannot wait to see what the comments are going to be. Yeah. What do you mean head voice, chest voice? What do you mean support? Like we're going to get, <laughs> yeah. we've ignited some real fires here. And delete, block, block. But we appreciate, we yeah. appreciate the opportunity like, to talk about these things. We would love, like anybody that wants to come to this vocal masterclass that's happening at the end of June, like we're, I mean, it's literally open to the public. It's open for other coaches it's a cross platform. Like it's really going to be an amazing event with a, with an incredible lineup. So yeah. any of your listeners or anything like that, like, you know, we can send yeah. you the links that you can put in the, in the comments and that. Yeah. You know, to all of us, Rena and I have, you know, our Instagrams and that where we post tips and things like that. So you can always ask us questions and that could be something that we could talk about on one of our hot tips, you know, things like that. Yeah. If, you, if they start following, so we'll send you the links. And if you want to put in the comments, that'd be awesome. Oh, that'd be great. Yes. I'll put it in the uh, Working Singer Facebook group. We're pretty active. So yeah, that'll be great. Perfect. Well, we appreciate you Thank having you us so on, much. man. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for being on. This was awesome. This was so, yeah. people are going to be so, they're going to flip. They're going to be so excited. You have no idea. Good. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, so. literally I get in, I mean, I'm sure Rena does too, but we get Instagram questions all the time where we love finding out what people's questions are because it helps us in how to yeah. educate you know, outside of what we do in our studio. So yeah, we we really appreciate all the feedback and questions. So. Oh my gosh, you guys, how incredible was that? I love that so much. And I hope that you learned a lot. I hope this gets you even more curious. Um, You can find Dr. Gupta and Mindy Pack on Instagram. uh, Dr. Gupta at voice Dr. L.A. And Mindy Pack is at Mindy Pack. And I will have all of their links to websites and everything else on the show notes and also in the Working Singer Facebook group. So, singing lessons. Number one, have a pre-show routine where 15 minutes before the show you have alone time and visualize your success. Don't engage with any negative people in the room or otherwise. Get yourself in the headspace of success. Number two, look for a fellowship-trained laryngologist who will do a rigid strobe during your examination. Number three, get your voice checked when you're feeling good. Number four, vocal injuries happen with voice use in the context of illness, high stress, lack of sleep, or a reflux flare, just to name a few examples. Number five, you only get hurt when you ignore symptoms or keep and keep using your voice. It's preventable and it's not about technique. Number six, it's imperative for any professional voice user to check in with a voice coach regularly because they are an unbiased set of ears who, if they're good, are going to be able to hear the subtle difference. Number seven, it's better to be proactive than reactive. Number eight, don't be afraid of a diagnosis. Be empowered by it because now you know what you have so you can tackle it. Number nine, knowledge is power. The more knowledge you have, the more power you have in your own voice and your own career. Number 10, every singer's voice is buildable. Number 11, make sure you get a coach that understands your goals. Number 12, preparation is important. 
So again, I hope you guys enjoyed that. I actually could have gone, I could have done a list of about 30 takeaways, but I had to stop somewhere. So, <laughs> you know, come up with your own, listen to this episode again, because um, there was so much great stuff here. And, you know, contact Dr. Gupta and Mindy Pack with, you know, any additional questions you have. I mean, these women are so knowledgeable. Um, and they were just so generous with their time. I'm just really grateful that they took the time to speak with us. So so what else do we have? We have this week's listener shout outs. And this week it goes to Lisa D. Lisa says, thank you for your wonderful and insightful podcast. I am loving them and learning so much from others' experiences. I especially loved Pat Whiteman's podcast as I can really relate to her journey. Thank you and have a great week. Thank you, Lisa. You are amazing. You're fabulous. Thank you for listening. And I am so happy that you're learning from other people's experiences. I think that's what, you know, experiences are for. If you're going through it or you're observing it, you're hearing or you're hearing about it later. It's all about, you know, learning and growing and all of it. And I think, you know, beyond, you know, being singers, all of these stories are just like are, are just human stories. And these people have had success, you know, and um, but they didn't have but they also had bumps along the way. And I think that's an important thing to recognize and, you know, realize and understand is that, you know, we see the highlight reel. And I feel like this is the this show is like you're behind the scenes, you know. Um, so I think it's just really important to know what the behind the scenes is and that there is a behind the scenes and everybody goes through something and nobody came out of the womb killing it. You know, everybody had to um overcome some kind of obstacle to get where they are and they are still overcoming obstacles and you know life and career and all of it is just about those you know overcoming those series of obstacles and I think finding joy because of it I was going to say despite it but you know um if there is one thing I'm really getting from all of this having all these conversations is that everybody has got their own unique journey going on and there's really no point in comparing your life to anybody else's <laughs> it's just you know it's a, a road you just don't even want to go down you know and and uh, their journey is theirs yours is yours and I think yours is really a lot of it is just finding out what your purpose is and then fulfilling that purpose so a little bit of a tangent but um, if you want to give a listener shout out you can shout me out on either Facebook, you can email me, jamila at jamilafort.com, or you can DM me at uh, Instagram. DM me on Instagram at Jamila Ford Music. That's J A M I L A F O R D Music. Join the Facebook group. We've got the Working Singer Podcast community I'm starting to put together events for us all to gather together on and talk and sing and eat, of course, because we all like to do that and all of it. We had an event a couple of weeks ago and that was a ton of fun and we've got some other things uh, that we're planning coming up um, that are going to be really fun and really useful and really enlightening for you guys. So it, it's all happening in the group. That's where I announce all of these kinds of things and you will you will have a leg up if you are a member. So go ahead and um, head on over to Facebook, type the Working Singer Podcast community into your search and um, click join. Please just take a few minutes to share this episode or another episode 
um, that you really like with your friend. It truly does help the podcast. It helps other people to find the podcast if you share it, if you talk about it, you talk to your singer friends about it. Um, and I'm even discovering that some non-singers are listening. Um, <laughs> so that's really cool. Um, because like I said, these are, you know, human stories and, you know, just about pe people climbing up to success and just continuing on in that journey. It is just pretty much a continuum. Nobody, you know, got that tour with Michael Jackson or that tour with Elton John or that, you know, that really prominent position. And then that was it. They're still going and they're still learning and they're still growing. And I think, you know, that's a, a really... Um, important thing to realize, you know, that there is, and I think it just puts life into perspective um, to think about, you know, crafting your life and what you'd like it to look like. And if, you know, all of these things are, are heights that we can reach, but they're not the end, then how do we want to craft the rest of our lives? What do we want to, um, what do we want it to look like? What's our purpose? How do we want things to, what kind of impact do we want to have? You know, that's those are the kinds of things that, you know, I'd been thinking about since I started, you know, doing the show it was a big reason I started doing the show was because I wasn't sure, you know, what kind of impact I would leave the world with, um, you know, as a singer and just as a human being, you know, and I knew that there were things that I I wanted to understand and there were things that I wanted to say. And um, I don't even think I realized all of this when I, I thought I wanted to do a podcast. I just thought, you know, I want to do that. It's intriguing to me and it just feels on a soul level. And, you know, you, 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 you know, when something is supposed to happen, um, you know, when something uh, just feels wrong if you don't do it. You know, um, this podcast for me is, you know, one of those things. And I'm excited. I am excited to hear that you guys are listening and you're learning along with me because, I mean, like I said, that's really what it's all about. And um, so please share the podcast with anybody you think could use it because it's a beautiful thing. And that's it for this week, you guys. I'm just like, you know, I'm going to listen to this episode like 10 more times because I got so much from this conversation. I just loved it. I hope it sparked your curiosity. I, you know, I hope that, um, you know, maybe you want to become a vocologist and you can reach out to Mindy um, or you want to become a laryngologist. <laughs> you know, any of you listening, any of you singers listening would have that empathy, you know, um, for other singers that would make you like that much better at that job. My goodness, I could go on and on. But I enjoyed this time with you guys today. So again, I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you got a ton out of it. I certainly did. I love you. I appreciate you. And I will talk to you next week.